I was like, well, fuck you guys. <laughs> I'm going to write an hour lecture about climate change. <laughs> this is The Green Pill, a podcast about the planet and the surprisingly diverse people working to fix it. I'm your host, Chris Newman, a medical doctor and environmentalist from London. And today's guest is Matt Winning. By day, he works at University College London as a climate scientist, and by night, he's a comedian and an Edinburgh Fringe veteran seeding climate facts into the comedy circuit, like a modern-day Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of existence. Part of the reason I wanted to interview Matty, actually, was because I had a go at comedy a few times myself, and it's pretty hard, (laughs) really. I had uh, some experiences, really, in the smaller clubs and and when you when you bomb you get this kind of uncomfortable stony silence when you're expecting a big laugh and it's just like tumbleweed i imagine even worse when you're out at a big comedy club when everyone's already drunk and you just get horrible savage heckling so um the fact that i've had a little go at comedy myself means i have utter utter respect for matty to get into this field and even more so because he's doing it around a serious topic so welcome dr matt winning we did a gig in glasgow in like an underground bar it was absolutely packed everybody that was on the course did drunk glaswegians as your first gig yeah and everybody <laughs> is very different you know in different ages and people so they all bring their family and friends i told nobody about it <laughs> like I didn't tell no friends no fat like everyone else is like this was a big thing for them like sort yeah. of like oh look I'm doing comedy and it's like let's go and you Come know and like me. all my friends yeah and I was just like I don't want I think <laughs> that I'd already worked out that you can't get good at it from yeah your friends and family coming to they see say you. your first hundred gigs yeah are just like the stuff you do before you do comedy exactly yeah yeah so that was good so I did that but then yeah I got a heckle about a joke about a, I know I was doing I did okay actually the yeah. gig was okay uh, it wasn't I mean the material didn't get was glassed terrible. which is probably yeah um, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> positive thankfully I don't think of <laughs> there's been times where it's, you can get memory lost with a blow to the head so you may not it's remember it's more boredom that I've, I've you know I, I don't think I'm a glass inducing comedian I'm more <laughs> of a sort of like people falling asleep occasionally inducing comedian um yeah, somebody made a joke about, I said something about have hurting a bone, like I'd, I'd broken a bone and then some funny man at the back said, was it your funny bone? <laughs> it's and quite good. It, it was good heckle, really yeah. good. I mean, Glaswegian hecklers, I've, I then learned over the, the rest of the <laughs> three years that I was still in Glasgow, uh, very good hecklers. Um, and then I probably spent the next week thinking about what I should have actually <laughs> replied to that. Did you figure out a good counter? I don't know if I ever did. <laughs> That's why you're still in comedy years later po- because just, of him. Yeah, I think so. I think he made me want to do another one to be like, right, the next time someone... <laughs> I can't remember what... I, I think I did come up with some response, but I don't know what it would have been. Yeah. Now I would just be like, yeah, it's good, good heckle. Thanks. So your first gig, your first Edinburgh Fringe tour... Yeah, I believe was um, all about the life and times of Robert Mugabe. Yeah, so this was uh, so the first show that I did was twenty fifteen, but I had been going so I, I'd, before that I had done a show at the Edinburgh Festival, but like not a solo show. So like mm-hmm. a show where you would go with other people. So you'd maybe over the course of the hour there'd be like four acts or mm. three acts or whatever, two acts. 
So I started doing that in 2010. So I'd already done 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, five years of oh, going right. to the Edinburgh Festival before I then did, on the sixth year, did my first show that mm -hmm. was me for an hour. And that was based on a bunch of stuff I'd done over those five years where I'd made lots of jokes about Robert McGabby. <laughs> it just sort of came about, I don't really know, I don't, I, there was no reason or rhyme to it, but... Well, they say you should niche. You should find your own niche. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and I sort of... I think African I, Despots is I came your, up with one joke, one. which I think you can watch if you... There's like an old clip of me. So I got to the final of the BBC New Comedy Awards uh, in 2012. Amazing. Um, which was on Radio 2. I think it was on the red button. Remember when the red button on TV, people that would be like, oh, bell. you press the red button and you watch them. Oh, yeah, I think it was yeah, on yeah, TV. Yeah but not like a chat. I was like, you had to want to press the wrong button on your remote and you might somehow tune into it. Uh, <laughs> so I did that and that was about, yeah, most of that was about Robert Mugabe <laughs> and that was like seven minutes <laughs> and then it sort of escalated to like an hour by like four years later. You're probably a world expert on Robert Mugabe. I did read your, one or two history. auto, not autobiographies, <laughs> one or two biographies uh, about Mugabe Uh just to brush up <laughs> on my knowledge and it's quite funny when I then did the show 2015 I think a lot of people found it a bit weird because uh, so the premise was that he was my dad uh, and that I didn't want to turn into my dad because my dad was Robert McAfee <laughs> people were like is this acceptable and also why yeah. this is odd but loads of Zimbabweans that came to the people that came to the show really liked it okay which was nice <laughs> they were like oh this is really so you thought you'd go more mainstream for the climate change stuff. That was and then that became the, the more mainstream <laughs> stuff. Yeah, the Maga so I did a show about Mugabe, and then the next year I did a show that was set in space mm -hmm. that was, I won't even bother trying, you can watch it, it's on uh, a platform called Next Up, okay. um, which is an online comedy platform, kind of like Netflix, but for just stand-up in the UK. Okay. Um, and if you go on... Next Up. Next Up, okay. yeah. And if you go into there and... Search for me. You can watch my 2016 show, which was called Ragnarok. And uh, I'm not even going to try and explain it. It was set in space. I played myself and my great, great, Mugabe great, great, great not, grandson. Was, no more Mugabe. No, gone. There. He was gone. Uh, and at this point, it was just really sort of um, high concept. That's how it, You were really, really trying to escape the science, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> and I tried to talk about climate. It was weird. I tried to talk about climate change really briefly in it. Mm. Um, but I was doing it in a really silly way and I think people thought didn't believe it when I mentioned that mm. I did climate change because I didn't yeah, do it yeah. like as a, 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 the whole thing it was just like a fleeting bit what, of it that? was it like you didn't back yourself or you didn't think yeah, it was well, funny enough I didn't, or you worried how their reaction would be and it would I didn't I thought well I don't want to push I don't want to ram yeah. climate change down people's throats so I'll just, I'll just sort of mention it so that it's in there but I won't you know I'm not going to uh it'll just be like a passing thing and and also I was like ah oh, it's quite tough to make that funny and like I don't really yeah. know and then what happened was the off of that show which was it was okay it was fine um but a lot of reviews that I got were like oh it was pretty funny but he doesn't really talk about much it's really stupid like it's really stupid it's a bit too childlike okay. it's a bit sort of there's no meat in it. There's no meat in it. That's not a very good uh Which not other very comedians don't get so much. Other comedians, <laughs> like if you're just being, they're just, people are like, oh, it was, it was funny. Yeah. But then I, th I feel like just the people that came and saw me that year were like angry that I wasn't 
talking yeah. about something more. Do they want to learn something as Maybe, well? Maybe, I guess so. I guess it just depends who it is. And, and so I sort of took that on board as the criticism, but also as a response. I was like, well, fuck you guys. <laughs> I'm going to write an hour lecture about climate change. <laughs> and so that was the response. So I'd say the reason I started doing comedy about climate change was, a fuck you to was more... Edinburgh. <laughs> yeah, it was more of a fuck you to reviewers than it was to actually being like, I need to talk about this. Because I think I was still like using comedy as like, you can't talk about that in comedy because it's too yeah. different. So it was more of an... Still probably more of a comedy as an escape from thinking about I yeah. didn't... But then I was like, okay, well, now I, I know loads about this. I'll write a show about this. Uh, and it's probably the best decision I've ever made career-wise. Well, got good reviews. I remember seeing one yeah. that said something like, um, this is the best lecture you'll ever... The most funny lecture you'll ever go to. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. And it was... Uh, yeah, and I, I, I put a lot of work into it and, yeah. and sort of really enjoyed doing that show. Uh, yeah, so that was it was good and yeah, happy to talk about that a lot more how, as how well. How did you make it funny? Because well, I mean, that is the how do you find the things? It's 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 difficult. It's really difficult. It's not easy at all. But the best way to do it, and I think a few other people have done this in the past. Mm. They've just they've picked a subject that they're interested in, researched it loads, and then worked back from the facts to make jokes. Mm-hmm. And I did that without really knowing how to do it. All I did was I wrote a lecture, an hour lecture. <laughs> That's why you started off yeah. with a straight lecture. I just wrote a straight lecture. <laughs> I was like, what would a lecture, what, if, if I had to give a lecture to a room full of people at the Edinburgh Festival about climate change, <laughs> what would that lecture be? And I just wrote that. And I think I wrote that in like February, March, early March of the year. So the Edinburgh's always in, in August. February, March, I wrote a lecture. And then I took that lecture and I started doing comedy. What we do is previews. So basically yeah. from March onwards sort of thing, or even early, some people are really mm-hmm. good at starting in like January, February. You start doing like work in progress shows and previews of what you're working, t- the new show you're working towards. Like modules. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, well, it's like, yeah, you're going and test stuff. It's like an incubator. I don't know. You're going to test stuff. Yeah. And so... March, I started taking this lecture and trying to, to turn it into Where comedy. Where did you go? Comedy clubs. I mean, some but of them... you didn't go to any universities because that would have been really funny. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I was like... Because the whole point of it, or, or certainly this is the one thing that I've like stuck to, is like it has to be comedy first. Like I'm not interested. You, will, I will... Fa- the moment that I see this as an academic exercise yeah. I will fail yeah. in this because if I start trying to make it f- in some way for academia it's not the purpose the purpose yeah. of it's it laughter first education second yeah is to make something that is good by the standards of yeah. the art form that it's judged in and that's not because you don't care because you clearly yeah, care yeah, a yeah, lot because yeah, yeah. it's basically your life's absolutely work, yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah, but yeah 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 but, but it's a different want, thing people want come back yeah and most uh, this, you know the, in terms of an audience I, I, what I'm actually trying to do is reach people that don't know about it yeah. in which case the only reason that they will come back or, or think it's good is if it's funny enough Yeah. so you have to take care of that first and then worry about the rest of it so yeah but some of those first shows that I did I, I mean I did one in January that year where I hadn't kind of finalised the lecture but I did one about January mm. and 
I had a couple of kind of routine. I basically interspersed the lecture with some just really silly routines about other things. Yeah. So it was like this weird lecture where I'd then go off and do a five minute bit about beans on toast and then like <laughs> come back to another couple of slides about climate change and then go back to like, you know, it was yeah. really like, and but I got enough of a response from the audience who were just like, this is really weird, like stupid and weird. And why is he doing this? Oh, so um, they reacted badly against your like little. No, I think they enjoyed the 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 enjo it, 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 No, they enjoyed it. It's just that the climate parts didn't have enough jokes in them. Okay, but I, I sort of made enough of routines of other stuff throughout the yeah. lecture that it still felt like comedy, but that you were getting this weird. That you were trying to shoehorn jokes into a lecture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. That was it. Um, and then basically I started trying to work backwards from the lecture and make sure that every bit, and this was just through trial and error, every bit that I was talking about had a joke related to it. So every slide had to have some sort of a joke. <laughs> and so it's just like, we'll just write a, write a joke about whatever this is. And yeah. like how, and so you're sitting down like painstakingly trying to get jokes out of like <laughs> really specific things. But, and, and some of the first ones that I did were like, you know, I could see half the audience absolutely hated what I was doing. Really? Because it's too close to home, isn't it? For some for some things, it's like, well, it's just, you make no, feel... It wasn't, it was just not funny enough. Okay. Mostly. Yeah. So it wasn't even the, like, so this is like at the start of the process. Because mm. probably what you're talking about would come a bit later on. Yeah. But uh, at the start of the process, it was very much like... Um, they couldn't uh yeah they they didn't think it was funny enough and also why would somebody be talking about this climate change this and yeah. i hadn't written enough jokes into the lecture yet yeah, for yeah. it to feel like a comedy show mm. but bear in mind i'm doing this at comedy clubs where people are coming and they don't necessarily know <laughs> they're coming to see comedy yeah, yeah. which is why i'm trying to out at these places because if i tried it out in academia or something the people, you know, audience, people, it's not a comedy club. They'd, they'd be like, oh, you know. I want to learn more facts. Why exactly. are you telling jokes? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's not going to work in terms of yeah. me getting enough good yeah. jokes. Mm. So I just tried it in a comedy, you know, comedy places. And then over time, sort of, it had enough, eventually had enough jokes in it. Yeah. And then what I tried to do was some extra stuff of like adding narrative into the show so that there's something roughly flowing throughout it so that it doesn't mm. feel like just a lecture with no story as part of it so i did like trying to add like a personal narrative into oh, because you are a, a climate scientist like a legitimate yeah you know at one of the best universities in the world yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so like if you weren't part of it it would be a bit strange yeah it would be very and, authentic but if you come to see comedy people want to know about that I, th I think people want to know about that person, mm. whether it's their opinions or what's happening in their life, mm. but it's the person that you're interested in. Yeah. So you have to put a, a fair chunk of who you are into the comedy as well as jokes about yeah. climate change or whatever. So I then think that's where that, you know, not wanting to kind of go on too much of a tangent, but hmm. someone like Greta Thunberg comes out and talks about climate and you can see it's her. And and you, it's her life and it's her thing, and you and you and you, yeah. you have empathy for her, and then you get a climate scientist come out and say, "Well, this graph says this, and this graph says this, but it's not about them; it's about the graph." Yeah, exactly. And so they they don't really 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Jump on board. It doesn't. It doesn't. There's not that connection, like personal yeah. connection. A hundred percent. That. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's where comedy and probably other things can make a difference because yeah. it, it gives you that level of. Yeah. So I'm slightly breaking down that barrier by even if I'm not giving them personal stuff when I'm given that fact, I've just told them some personal stuff and yeah. I'm about to tell them more. You know, they, yeah. they're learning about me on the way, yeah. so then they're more invested in, yeah. you know, who you are and what you're talking about. Yeah. So that was 2017. I did this show. Filibuster was yeah, in the yeah. show. And then I've done another one since then. And I'm now writing a third That show. was Climate Strange. Strange. Climate Strange, Strange was the one last Have you got year. the name? For this the one is one? called, uh, it's the end of the world as we Oof. know it, brackets. And I feel fine, brackets, but not all the time. <laughs> close brackets, close brackets. A reference to the Smiths, isn't it? Uh, REM. REM. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not at all. Yeah. yeah. So, and is it is. Is there a space on the flyers for that? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have to get like fold outable ones like, yeah. the, like the London map. <laughs> I think it's a bit warm. Um, the brackets bit, so it might have to go in like the... A little font at the bottom or something. Asterisk. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the way you do it. Great. So, are you starting to tour that around? So that's in the that kind of preparation stuff is what I'm mm. doing at the moment for okay. that new show. So I'm yeah. writing a lecture essentially, <laughs> and and trying to work out routines into it and okay. sort of. So I, it's very much at the still at this sort of early-ish stages, but I need it ready by the 1st of August, well, 31st of July. Is there a lot of stuff now? Because obviously you've got Extinction Rebellion, you've got Fire to Future, you've got Greta, and you've got, obviously you've got pushback in the in, in the popular media and all sorts of horrendous interviews on Sky News, if you've seen them. Yeah. Uh, people like Adam Bolton, like all sorts of these, these kind of slightly faintly ridiculous things happening. So yeah, I imagine yeah. it's a It's a going to be an interesting year for it, yeah. yeah. Um, I've had to sort of already... Sorry, I've already had to rethink what the show's going to be yeah. because so much has happened in the last few months that yeah. my original idea for it has had to change a bit. Yeah. Um, but well, thankfully, I hadn't written enough yet, <laughs> so I'm already... But I'm like, oh, but there's loads of topics to write about. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so it's just kind of getting into that at the moment. Um, but then I still want people to feel like they've got what I try to do is give at least a little bit of an overview of the science and stuff yeah. still, but then talk about the more interesting, like the what's human happening, the human stuff. stuff yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think trying to get that, mi that mix of different things is, yeah. is important. But I think, yeah, the new one's probably going to be more about the sort of uh, intergenerational equity stuff. Absolutely. And I mean, if, yeah. yeah. I mean, from, from my perspective, um, like I, w I was actually looking a little bit at NHS spending recently and um, noted that 50% of NHS spending is on the 65s and over and probably about 10, maybe 8%, I I, it's probably less than that, I think, um, is on the kind of under 18, so the, the youth. But if you actually look at future public health catastrophe that will happen, yeah. it doesn't seem particularly fair that the youth are getting so little of money, a preventative money, mm -hmm. which could be pushed into kind of climate environment type yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's definitely like an age yeah, angle I'm, on I'm that. Right, Are you writing I'm that down? That down. Because I was thinking it's all, it's almost like generationalist or ageist like in a, in a way. I know that's using labels, but yeah, um, you could see it in that way for sure. Absolutely. 
Yeah, and it's it's that lack of foresight yeah. and lack of planning and lack of thinking about what you know the youth are going to change yeah. into you know people of our age and what their life's going to be and then what are the the next generation you know it's just yeah. there's so much and what are they going to think like there's all there's so much so my I am um, as a colleague of mine he's a like really lovely chap he's called Professor Gilbo he was the um, first ever professor of family planning I think in the entire world and every 25 years he's getting on a bit as you might note um, notice um, he plants uh, or buries an eco capsule in Kew Gardens. So right. he did it 25 years ago, yeah. and he's doing it again in in a few weeks. And what they do is they they have a, a letter to our kind of ancestors, grandparents, to yeah, say yeah, thank yeah, you yeah. for everything that you've done for us, and also a letter to our grandchildren to say I'm so sorry for what I've done, <laughs> what we're doing. But these are the things. Mm. Like, it's the it's when you have. Um, an issue that is so tricky to, to to raise because it brings up all sorts of ideas about am I living my life properly and um, ideas of guilt and blame. It's really hard it's really to, to, to talk about yeah, yeah, without yeah. getting jumped on. But yeah, people just get defensive. Yeah, and so you know, I say rightly so, but also the yeah. attacks are often yeah. right as well. You know, what I mean, it's yeah, it's really tough. Has it happened to you as a as a climate comedian if, if that's no I don't think it's really happened to me um, I'll be interested to see as I because I'm I guess I'm still most of the audiences I have I'd say the older people tend to be more if they're coming they tend to be a bit more on board I think it's brought up <laughs> discussions though yeah. with people I know some people who've like sent their like one friend who sent his parents and his dad is very much oh, a wow. climate skeptic and then came along to the show and then afterwards there was like a big discussion you know like discussion <laughs> about it but i think it helped them you know that's quite a funny idea like the intergenerational comedy show yeah with absolutely Matt yeah yeah get old people old and young but I, and i've tried this year it's difficult as well um i think i've made my show 14 and over Mm-hmm. So normally it's difficult to know whether you want like younger kids. Yeah. It's difficult because I'm not. It's not aimed at kids yeah. especially. Um, mm. But I do want children. You know, children to. Yeah. You know, the people that are straight. You know, the younger generations to be able to come yeah. if they want to and stuff. But yeah. then obviously it has to be age appropriate. So it's kind yeah. of diff- it's that difficult <laughs> thing. To be honest, um, the things they can see in, on their on that's their phones true. Yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, probably what, much worse than anything <laughs> I can see on stage. Uh, yeah, so, but hopefully I might get some, like, yeah, 14-year-olds coming along to the show yeah, and yeah. then some 80-year-olds Interested well. to see their reactions, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could get some nice little um, audience feedback at the end. Yeah, 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 that would be good. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm trying to think of how to, yeah. And anyway, so there's a lot of writing. I think it's amazing. Like, I think we need, like, in the times ahead, you know, it'll be, I think people will come out of the woodwork and start talking about these things in different ways, and it's really yeah. nice to see comedians doing it uh, are there any other comedians that you've seen sort of start to tackle the issue of climate change yeah recently uh there's a few people i think that have started to there's a couple of people that did it before mm. i know mark watson and marcus brigstock have talked mm-hmm. about it in the past and i think a few other people have touched on it like a little bit yeah like Catherine ryan and uh, sarah pascal maybe but um but I think it's becoming a little bit more prevalent. Laura Lex is a comedian okay. uh, 
Brighton based. She's really good, and she did a show last year about kind of climate anxiety. Okay, related to wanting to have a baby and not being able to have a baby. So it was, re- it was re- yeah. yeah, it was really interesting. Um, That's very because there was the Mother's March um, mm, just last at the weekend. weekend yeah. Last weekend, yeah, yeah, yeah in yeah. London. Yeah, so the last show that I did was yeah, kind of about the idea of wanting to have a baby as well, Oof. and not whether whether or not it's a good idea. And so then my the whole so you can watch the show on YouTube if you want. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, if you search for Matt winning Climate Strange, uh, and it was sort of about yeah, like. <laughs> Whether you can do enough to offset having a kid. <laughs> if you what would have you have it? to do? Oh, well, I watched the show. <laughs> That's a funny premise. Can I ruin it? I can ruin it. Uh, it's my show, I don't mind. <laughs> At one point, I get so desperate that I'm, I suggest if you kill 100 dogs a year. <laughs> what size That's of dog? The because they well, eat different 200 amounts. small ones. Like, small ones, you need more. Your of brain it. goes the double, same way. Yeah. Double it. Size of the dog, more. How yeah. about Great Danes? Can you get That's away with 50? That may be about 50 <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Funnily enough, that was the bit of the show that older people hated the most. Really? Really. It's funny. You can talk about climate change uh, for an hour and then you talk about killing fictional dogs for like <laughs> five minutes and people, some people can't handle it and have to interrupt, genuinely had to interrupt me because they couldn't wow. physically sit there and like go with the primitive. You can't say that or something. You know, they'd be like, <laughs> because people have this weird thing with dogs and also because they don't trust me enough. Well, they're going to die too. Well, like, they're yeah, going to yeah, die yeah, as well. Yeah, you know, yeah, so. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, they're going to get eaten, aren't they? As soon as the, the, the <laughs> catastrophe happens, they're the first things that are going to go. Oh, this, yeah. this, the listeners are slowly dropping away now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the dogs will be okay. We just just have small Let's ones. Not. Have very small have ones. Have small ones. Have good kids and small dogs. <laughs> How about um? Because obviously you're atta- you're approaching it very much from the comedy side, yeah. Um, and there are some really interesting. From the other side, you've got kind of some climate people coming mm. more towards the you know the, the charismatic people like Neil deGrasse Tyson and yeah. Bill Nye and um, trying to uh, bring it into the, the mainstream. Yeah, I think yeah. that's great. Yeah, I think it definitely seems to be this uh, getting people that can communicate. Yeah. Science from yeah. science, yeah, is really important. I did, I did when I was considering what questions to ask you. Mm. I did, con- I, w- I was kind of thinking in my head, I wonder what the budget of you know climate science is, and would it be better just to scrap the whole climate science research budget and put it into sending every climate scientist to comedy school and then getting them, <laughs> getting them to go around and, and educate with what they know already. I mean, I definitely think universities and other places could be much better at spending their sort of public engagement funding on mm. things that actually engage yeah. the public yeah. rather than being like, you know, targeting it at, I yeah. don't know, a museum. Oh, well, we're, there's an exhibition at a museum yeah. and you're like, well, the only people that go to museums already are yeah. this demographic. So, you know, it's trying to read. And I think, I mean, I definitely think universities are getting better at it but i think you're marking funding for more interesting yeah because the public the people who make the decisions through the way that they influence the government yeah 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 so yeah oh they're your target we all yeah feeds into each other and yeah obviously there's like you can go directly to government but you can also go to the public yeah Yeah, exactly kind of what you're saying and i think that's what x what extinction rebellion um 
appreciate that they've obviously disrupted a lot of things, but they have got people talking and they have got absolutely Michael Gove meeting with them. And the, the, you know, they've I, I think other countries have now started to do it. So certainly tackling like getting the public talking is, yeah. is kind of what you need to do from a top down um, perspective. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and 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 I think the main thing that I would say as well is that. And I'm not the first person to say this, definitely not, but um, I think it's worth repeating, is that it needs to not be seen as an environmental issue mm. where people pigeonhole it into... Because that's what it's been for too yeah. long. It's like, oh, it's now that bit in the programme where we talk about the environment. Yeah. So here's the bit about climate change where actually the person on the news that's talking about the economy needs to reference how yeah, climate change the has issue. the effect yeah, yes. and, and what about this aspect yeah. of you know it needs to be because yeah. it's going to change absolutely cut across the entire society yeah. so it needs to actually be represented there instead yeah. of just being seen as this weird issue yeah. that doesn't relate to my absolutely. life when you're like well not it relates to every single aspect of your life and will do yeah. much more unless so you're 95 in, in which case you might get away with it yeah 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 if you're really old you're okay but then who's making I don't know what TV is getting made for 95 they can just go and watch more dad's one foot in the grave repeats. dad's army or something <laughs> yeah, yeah. just enjoy what you've got left but then you know there's lots of old people that are doing stuff you know there's absolutely. some guys in XR that have there was that. the storm grannies yeah, have you seen yeah, the storm yeah. grannies oh, no, they're amazing them. so they basically they um they know that um, if you've got an angry person, um, that let the least the person they're least likely to shout about is either a child or an old lady. Yes. Um, so if you've got grey hair, even better. And so they utilise that. So and they get storm grannies to go and diffuse situations. It's amazing. Like so clever. Oh, I like storm grannies. Storm <laughs> grannies. Storm grannies. And small children. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so what kind of stuff, um, obviously we've spoken a bit about the comedy, but I also want to, the, the other side of you, the Dr. Jekyll side of you, what's what's he looking into right now? So yeah, quite a few different things, but uh, so on climate change, one of the things I just did was got a paper published on uh, the Paris Agreement and the economic impacts of the Paris Agreement um, about a month after, yeah, or two months afterwards, so early 2016, I started working on something that I've now only just sort of had finalised yeah. and gone, uh, which was, yeah, basically I kind of looked through every um, national determined contribution that was made by every country under yeah. the Paris and like took, read all of these documents for about a month and took the numbers from them and put them into our model to work out roughly what it was, what's going to happen globally in terms of emissions, and then it's basically comparing what the current commitments are to what needs to be done to achieve a two degree. Okay. So even there, back when I started it, it was much more about two degrees, yeah. and the focus has now probably changed a bit more yeah. to sort of one or towards one and a half. Yeah. So then I did some other work on that as well that was separate to this, but the bit that I did was much more kind of about two degrees. Yeah. But comparing uh, the costs of achieving two degrees to the costs of the current trajectory mm. and and then basically just sort of the overall things saying if you um, keep seeing technology reduction rates the way we've been seeing yeah. towards the two degrees, then actually the economic cost of of achieving yeah. that two degrees is very, very minimal. Like it's almost yeah. it's 
0.5% of GDP yeah. or something like that. What's the, what's um, the error margin? Because obviously there's so many things that we don't know and there's all the, you know, there's debates about what will happen if all the methane comes out of the Arctic tundra and how much will... Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's the, so many things that we don't know and there's a concern that, oh, damn it, we didn't take that into account and we're all dead. Yeah, kind of yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I guess I the stuff I do focuses more on the what we're doing about it, so the mitigation side, okay. rather than the dam it, climate damages, essentially. So like mm. the other problem. So I, the stuff I do, I, I, it can get a little bit, um, I mean, I think it's all worthwhile and all is like the sort of stuff that goes into the IPCC reports. Mm. But it can be a bit focused on, yeah, it, it it can be a bit focused on itself, on the costs of achieving the change, and not enough on the damages mm. of climate change. Yeah, yeah. And so actually, when you start comparing them, yeah, so, so uh, the damages are basically from a, the problem is that because of the time issue that we have, all of the costs have to happen. The costs are up front right and the now, damages. Is, and the is damages. Like, so, so then what we do is look at what will the costs up front going to be, yeah. assuming that all this damages would otherwise ha happen, yeah. but then there's other people kind of modeling the damage. Yeah. And the damages are the really hard, the, the, as yeah. you say, the uncertainty there and the work that I've kind of used one of the models that looks at the damages yeah. side of things. And it is hu you know, huge ranges of uncertainty. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like the, tip, the problem is like tipping points and things like that that are very hard to, are very on the edge of the sort of uh, probability curves. Yeah. But then if they but happen, still possible. the damages, you yeah. know, can... And so, uh, yeah, it's, re it's really hard to kind of balance all of this. Um, I, I read something from um, Project Drawdown, oh, um, yeah. which if... If you don't know, which you are not referring to you, sure, yeah, the listeners yeah, yeah. don't know, it's a really fantastic project um, where they got together I, I, hundreds of researchers, I think quite a few years ago, and they mapped out the top 80 yeah. um, things that we could do as a society, which are currently feasible in order to get to net zero within 30 years. And they figured out that the cost uh, of all these things, including, you know, going to a plant-based diet and going to more renewables and reducing food waste and electric vehicles, all these kind of things, it would cost a, um, one trillion dollars per year for 30 years. Yeah. Um, and interestingly, the, the total cost of health care, so uh, dealing with the, 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 the damage that yeah, happens yeah. Yeah. in life is 10 trillion. Yeah. So if you took 10% of everyone's health budget in, and, and used it as a preventative yeah. health strategy, you could actually do that and that's not even looking at the rest of the budget it's just getting the uh commitment to actually spend the money and and yeah. and, and then also getting the commitment from the public acceptance from the public that they're yeah. willing to spend the money but i think people are interested you know sorry interested i think people are mostly on board i think it just kind of takes people to lead yeah. the way a little bit. It's a process, not a decision, almost, in a way. Like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's easy, it, it, like, absolutely, I completely agree with those things, but then it's like, okay, so how do you now put that yeah. into practice and and achieve that, like, yeah. get that funding? And yeah. um, and that's the actual difficulty, but it's great. Yeah, that project drawdown is yeah. really, really... How's it affecting your personal life? Because um, obviously, like, you're in this 24-7, yeah. like, all the time. 
yeah, too much. Yeah. Don't have enough holidays. <laughs> well, where would you go? You'd have to get the, the bus to yeah, somewhere took, to, to use less carbon. Took, took the train to the Alps last oh. month, went skiing. Nice. Um, which was nice. Yeah. Um, get the yeah. snow while it's there, right? Exactly. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I was like, I'm supposed to be on holiday, but I'm thinking about how to take the train there. And then when I get there, I'm thinking about whether there's enough snow <laughs> and what that's going to be like in the next oh, 30 years. But. Anyway, managed to switch off a little bit, did some skiing, <laughs> had a nice time, relaxed a bit, and then came back to it. Yeah. Um, it's very nice to not think about it. I can understand why everybody doesn't want to think about climate change yeah. all the time. Like, I, I absolutely understand that <laughs> because it's quite stressful. Yeah. And you realise... Yeah. Yeah. You realise that, yeah, taking breaks is important and, and <laughs> clearing your mind is important. Yeah, it's tough going. So what's happening with this? Because um, I know I'm aware that you're you've been starting a podcast. Oh yes, recently. Yeah. Um, who's not? Who's not? You know, everyone's doing it now. Um, and I'm aware that there's a bit of a climate flavour, uh-huh. but it's that's not the um, main thing. Is that fairly? Is that fair to say? No, or? I'd say it's f- heavily. Fla- I'd say fla- the main flavour is climate. Yeah, I'd mm-hmm. say it's a. I'd say it's uh, if you were, if it was two or three scoops on an ice cream, I'd say the first scoop would be <laughs> climate. I'm enjoying this metaphor. Okay. The um, first two scoops are... Yeah, I'd say the first two scoops are climate and then there's maybe just like a raspberry ripple or something. Is, the is there any kind of garnish or uh, hundreds and thousands? Or? Oh, a flake. <laughs> but uh, a dairy-free milk chocolate for <laughs> uh, I, yeah, starting a podcast. Uh, hopefully it should be out by the time this is out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Operation Earth. Um, and it's basically conversations with comedians about climate change. Uh, so it's kind of trying to talk to different comedians and see what they think about climate change, mm-hmm. uh, whether they're doing anything about it, uh, okay. talking about some news stories, uh, trying to get some jokes. Uh, <laughs> and then, You're basically getting stuff for your stand-up show, right? Yeah, and then I'll steal those. <laughs> and, then the, and then I've got them asking me any questions, because they're sort of, representing the, the the average person mm-hmm. and then I'm getting them to ask any questions that they have because lots of people yeah. ask me the same sorts of questions or I get a lot of questions when people find out that you do climate change. People yeah. really interested. Like, this is one th- good thing about doing this as a job. Like, as soon as you say you do it, people are really, yeah. oh, oh what about, I've heard about this. And so, I mean, sometimes it's awful things that they say or just the most ludicrous nonsense that they've heard. Yeah. But, most of the time it's some, you know, people were interested in it or have a specific like, oh, I heard this or I was, I was interested about this, which that's, is really, that's great. really great. It's reassuring in a way. Um, yeah. And then you tell them that you're a comedian and then they're much more interested in that. <laughs> so I try not to tell them about that. I try to just get them to talk about climate change. Um, but yeah, so then I'm going to get a comedian guest on and then hopefully they will uh, ask me questions about okay. what they want to hear about. And then that's it. Yeah. So, um, Hopefully it's Where like... Where can people find you? Uh, it should be hosted on Acast, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm sure it'll be on iTunes, Spotify, yeah. all the usual places. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, and where else can people find you? Either for research purposes oh. or for comedy purposes. Uh, you can find me, if you want my research, you can <laughs> look up uh, the Institute for Sustainable Resources uh, at UCL and find my email send, send me an email <laughs> uh, or for comedy purposes you can look on my website uh, which is mattwinning.com uh, I've got lots of previews of new shows coming up uh, and then I'm at the Edinburgh Festival for a month 
So there's ticket, lots of tickets to be sold for that Great. if anyone's going to be in Edinburgh during August 2019. And then I do lots of bits and pieces around the place. There's not... I'm finding, fingers crossed, that there's not so many people doing comedy about environmental issues, so I'm being asked to do quite a lot of I'm not surprised. Stuff. It's a proper Because uh, people are like, niche. oh, wow, this is really depressing. Maybe we could get this comedian guy on to sort of lighten the mood for 20 minutes like, during through the, our through event. The Greenpeace um, yeah, yeah. seminars are going to all have 10 minutes of you. You'd hope so. Um, <laughs> I've, I've done a few like the charity things yeah. and like uh, yeah, organisations and companies and other things i'm sort of yeah, yeah people are realizing it's such a heavy subject that they're like well, wow there's a guy that does comedy about this could you please come and uh so that's good it's good yeah, it's yeah. keeping me uh busy i mean i'm still not making anywhere near enough money from it but i you know i'm yeah i'm okay i was gonna make a horrific joke about well the climate's getting worse so you have more you'll have well more that's jobs. the thing <laughs> i mean i probably have a a slight, You're ahead uh, of the curve, really, aren't you? I mean, what I would give to not think about this anymore. I'd, <laughs> tomorrow, I would. If someone says climate change is going to be solved tomorrow, I'd be like, amazing. I can give up my job and comedy. You can go about just making knob jokes, doing whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like Robert McGab. I can just do, you know, the next Robert McGabby show. That's <laughs> I don't know. Robert else. McGabby returns. Yeah, exactly. That's like a Star Wars. Yeah, that'd be that'd be much better. <laughs> just being really silly. I'd like to be silly again. <laughs> I feel like I've got myself into a bind where I can't really be very silly anymore. Um, yeah. So what would you do if you um, if you went back in time? Mm -hmm. You can be a bit silly now. Okay. Uh, if you went back in time and you you got your 18-year-old self or 15-year-old self or even 12-year-old self yeah. and you had a word, what would you say to them? Um, Either of them. What would I say? Uh, start doing comedy earlier. <laughs> start it now. Start doing comedy at f age 15 okay because you get really tired like I, f I get really tired basically I get up I go to work and then I go straight from work a couple of nights a week to do shows and then I get home at like one in the morning I'm just really tired all the time but you have I'm, the time then yeah you have loads of time but, but when you're younger you don't need as much sleep you're fine it's yeah. much easier when you, when you start out if you're really young you Got loads of energy and go yeah. and do stuff and yeah. So that's been my advice. Start doing the comedy stuff earlier <laughs> on, uh, and don't do a PhD. Don't do a PhD. No, actually, I'm glad I did it, but hard tough, work, tough going. So here's something that I ask everyone. So I want you to imagine that I suddenly take your personality and everything that makes you you, uh -huh. and I suck out everyone else's personalities in the world and I implant yours. So everyone is now you, just okay. with different bodies. Got you. What would happen and how would the world die? How would the world die? I think that most, if you had everyone, if everyone was this, the same character, yeah. I think stuff would, everything would go wrong in different yeah. ways. I think I'd just cut the working week down to four days a week, which would be good. So then we can not worry about as much kind of unnecessary consumption and work. People would be a bit chilled out. Yeah, I think everything would be a lot more, I think... It, I think the world would be all right if everybody... Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there'd be something that I'd do terrible, like <laughs> just leave me, something would catch on fire or everybody would... <laughs> Everyone would catch on fire. Everybody would sort of <laughs> accidentally yeah, step out in front of a bus at the same time. You know, I'm quite accident prone. Everybody would like... I think hospital bills would go up, right? Which is fine for you. Know, it's good for you. You know, there's a lot of work. Yeah, there'd be a lot Let's of do it. extra Let's work clone for... You. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, for doctors, 
Yeah, so basically I think if I was in charge or if everybody was me and the world was me, the healthcare bills across the entire world <laughs> would be astronomical because <laughs> people would be like falling downstairs, bumping into things, whatever, you know, it would just be really bad. But I think everybody would be a lot more relaxed. I don't think there would be as much of a sort of... Uh, rushing ch you know it'd be, it'd be hilarious chill. everyone would be cracking jokes with each other across their beds yeah then there'd be that what have you laughter broken? is the best medicine <laughs> and then there would be yeah, some comments about that <laughs> would everybody be a comedian as well that would be really terrible you might get really bored if you oh I've heard that one because all of my friends have told me yeah. that yeah would I have to be friends I'd have to be friends with myself I would really hate this world <laughs> I don't think I'd like it it's a good question I like really like that question it's good, but it's now get, put me into a weird <laughs> philosophical <laughs> world where I'm like, but if you or me, this would well, be really we'd boring. Just be sitting here in silence because we we didn't know what, exactly what each other was were thinking. I think we would have stopped climate change, <laughs> but there would be a whole host of other problems. <laughs> okay, last question: What gives you hope for the future? The next generation, I think, has to be the answer to that. Um, yeah. I think the next generation gives me hope for the future. You not you don't mean Star Trek, do you? Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Cap John Luke Picard, was that his name? Yeah, definitely um, tackling climate change in Star we, Trek. We need, no, we need to go to space. That's my, <laughs> my answer is we need to get out off there. One of the one of those guys, one of those Elon Musk guys. Let's just go to space. We've, we've ruined this one. We've ruined Let's this one. Let's one. just go and explore things. It'll be fine. That's those are the people that I've got a pet peeve at the moment with those sorts of people. Those are the worst people. I think all of them should go and live somewhere else, and we'll get on with actually dealing with making this place habitable for us. <laughs> and not like, oh, let's live in a spaceship. Why? Why would you want to live in a spaceship? Like, there's quite a nice place, kind of here. Yeah, have pretty you, much have evolved you, to live have here. Have you been you know? to the south of France? Like, it's great. Like, you don't need to go to, you know, Jupiter or whatever. Like, it's fine. Yeah, space people, weird. No thanks. I'll be the last person. Like, I like the idea of going into. Like, obviously, like everybody thinks, oh, it'd be cool to go into space. Like, it'd be cool to go into space and then come back. Like a day later. Yeah. That's fine. Anything else is absolute madness. Yeah, but it just takes three months to get there and then three months to get back, so it's a yeah. little bit... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's really weird. What was the question again? The, qu <laughs> the question is, what gives you hope for the future? <laughs> and then we got into space. <laughs> uh, the next generation. Oh, that was it. <laughs> next yes. generation. Your Greta's, your... Just all the young uh, people all of them. that are out there marching and doing stuff and care about it. I think that's... Yeah. It won't be acceptable. That what is acceptable now will not be acceptable in the future, no. and that gives me hope. No. Um, I just hope that that things change rapidly enough to allow that future to be a reasonably stable one. And on that poignant note, <laughs> I think we can say thank you very much for coming on. Not at all. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening today. If you want to hear more about today's guests, check out the show notes at thegreenpill.org. And tune in next time for Nazarene Sheikh. She was a child labourer in Nepal for the fast fashion industry and has been fighting back ever since. The Green Pill is edited by Kazra Ferugia, produced by James Bishop and is part of the One Fine Play podcast network. You can find me on Dr Chris Newman on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, see ya.